Thank you for listening to the following film's podcast. Today I'm joined by actor-director Raphael Sabarge to talk about his new documentary film, Only in Theaters, which will be opening in New York on January 20th at the IFC Center and New Plaza Cinemas. The film is essentially about a family that has been in the film industry ever since there's been a film industry. They have a beloved art house chain in Los Angeles that has been showing things that are off the beaten path that might not get recognition or get play in mainstream theaters for over 80 years now. Um, But this is really about a family, a family struggling with legacy, with making it through the pandemic. And it's a deeply moving film, something really intimate and personal. And I had a great time watching this. I think even if you're not necessarily... um, If you're listening to this podcast, clearly you're a film fan and chances are you do appreciate the theatrical experience. So I don't need to hard sell you on that part of it, but there's so much more to this film. It's really something quite special. And if you get a chance to check this out in the theater, please do so. Hope you enjoy the show. Thanks. This is a story that's while incredibly specific about a family and a community in Los Angeles. I think there is something that's universal about the appeal of this story, um, really just about a family business more than anything else. Um, of course, it's intertwined with the love of cinema and going to theaters and that that element of it. But really, the core, the heart of this is this family. And I, I was just wondering um, if you could talk a little bit about what drew you into this story and decided to make a documentary about them. Yeah, Christopher, thank you. That first sentence that you just said encapsulates everything that I've said about this process for so long. So thank you for getting it so sensitively. And and um, yeah, that's dead right. I mean, I basically, you know, um, this is about a family, a family run business. They happen to run an art house cinema, right? So in this case, uh, <laughs> we you know, I, I was very taken by the legacy story. That's what kind of drew me in. This amazing story reaching all the way back to the origins of Hollywood and Carl Lemley, the original kind of Lemley that came over as an immigrant Jew from Germany and um, really had kind of worked his way up and and done this astounding thing of of um, of wanting to make movies and go, having been sued by the Edison Trust, the Edison Trust owning all the patents for movies, right? And And this little pugnacious little four and a half foot you know, German Jew says like, that's ridiculous. You know, filmmaking started in Europe. They can't own this. And and so what happened was he went all the way to the Supreme Court and won against, you know, it's a total David Glass story. And because of that, we have independent cinema. I mean, yep. I, this is this family who did this, right? So I was like, holy Moses, there's such a great story here. And there's this, fa- you know, three generations of Lemley's four, if you consider the son, Greg's son. And, um, there's a there's something here. I stepped into this. Um, you know, m- my family uh, were also immigrant Jews from Ukraine. They came to New York City. They opened a Schmata business, you know, which is a, a clothing business uh, in the Bronx, yeah. also in the in the garment district. And um, there was something about this family that always felt kind of like home and familiar and genuine. So genuine. I mean, uh, and ultimately. Yes, this is a business, an art house theater that maybe many people in Tucson would not know about. Maybe they don't know Lemley. Um, uh, however, 
if you if you love art house cinema, if you like movies without superheroes in them, if you enjoy adult fare, um, if you are interested in 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 what that means, then uh, really, just as you said, um, this this journey, this story is about really what's going on around the, around the world, around the country and around the world. I mean, we, we've played internationally. We've played in cities that wouldn't know Alemly if they stood up in their soup. And, and they've said, wow, this is our story. We're having these struggles. And or also we recognize this sort of very American story of this, you know, multi-generational American family business that's struggling to survive and determined to do so. Um you know, in the in the in the filming of this and in talking to people, so many people, interesting people wanted to talk to me that astounded me. I mean, Ava DuVernay, Cameron Crowe, who apparently never gives uh, interviews, um, James Ivory, Alison Anders, you know, Leonard Maltin. Um, in the process of this, um, there were a lot of opportunities to kind of like go you know, look at that bright, shiny object and kind of move over there. For me, yeah. the, the spine of this, the thing that always held it together was the family. It was the family, the family, the family. And and I, and I have always hoped that that then speaks beyond the headlines. We may sort of go like, hey, yeah, that, you know, movie theaters, this, that, or the other. But at the end of the day, if we look at this as a family business, maybe we can sort of actually understand it with more depth and breadth and, and compassion for what's actually going Oh, on. absolutely. And there's this... Uh layer of tension throughout the whole film that when this family is making a decision about whether or not to sell the family business, you know, after 82 years, um, we're watching this with 22, 2022 eyes, 2023 eyes, you look back and you see, oh, they're making this decision in 2019. We know exactly what's coming that following spring. And so it's this whole time you're just sitting there going, oh God, oh God, no, don't, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> and it's just, it's this level that you could not, nobody knew this was going to happen, but it, I, I think that's just this element of the film that just adds this beyond universal thing. This, it, I think it really encapsulates this time period so beautifully, not only about um, commerce and art and how that has to find this uncomfortable balance with each other and the people that have to put the art before the business sometimes just to have a space for that, but then how that affects their lives. And it's just such a, uh, to me, there's a beauty in this film in that, and just to see them go through this, I, I can't imagine anybody that would not be able to project themselves into this, anybody that has a family and not just uh, be moved by it. Michael, that's so great. Thank you. What, 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 where do you take away at the end of it? Where, where do you, where do you, where are you left at the end of it by, you know, in terms of cumulatively, in terms of this journey they take? Well, I'm, so I'm somebody who has always appreciated the theatrical experience. It, I'm on board already. I, I don't need to be convinced of that. Um, there's people that are purists about it that they'll only see a thing. And to me, that's not my experience because I discovered things on, in the eighties on VHS in pan and scan on really crappy TVs. And now I look at TVs and see that they look better than they ever have. They sound better than they ever have before. So I think about kids that are discovering, you know, if you're watching the 400 blows on the criterion channel, um, as a 12 year old kid, that's much better than the first time I saw it, how I saw it. It wasn't until years later till I saw it projected and I found a whole new appreciation for it. Um, and so to me, that that side of it has never bothered me. So I'm not a purist on that. But what I came away from on this, it, it's somewhere where I've always been. It's the 
we do have one art house theater here in Tucson and it, it's the place that plays the, you know, grindhouse stuff as well as the high-minded art stuff. And that's kind of how I became who I am. It's that um, I went down to see the night of the living dead and that's how I discovered Kurosawa. I, that's just the, the shortcut version of that. And in my mind, they're the same thing. And I think you see a lot of that in this film. I feel, I see kindred spirits, but for a lot of us, we don't have, multiple art house options in our city. We just have maybe one if we're lucky. Right. I mean, you know, thank you for that. And, and I, and I hear you and I, and I, you know, I, look, I like going to AMC. I like going to other theaters. I, I you know, I enjoy popular fare. Uh, I mean, I enjoyed Top Gun for what it was. And, and I, and I, you know, there, there are wonderful big Hollywood, you know, tent pole movies that are great. The, the fact is that um, um, going to the movies I think is like, I, I just went to see the whale the other night, right. Which is an incredible movie and, yeah. and, and incredible movie. And, and the performance is astounding and it's just uh, kind of overwhelming. It was a, it was an almost sold out house and it was at the AMC. And I know that the emotional experience of being in a movie in a room dedicated to, you know, blocking out the world and really just sort of taking us, letting us travel to some other place sort of rewires my brain in a way that is so useful. I mean, we, we work on these devices, right? We, we carry around another device. We're constantly, we've got now what the attention span of a, I think of a gold, worse than a goldfish. <laughs> Something like I heard podcast about like less than three seconds. Um, and, and I, and I'm, um, I'm aware of the fact that being able to kind of really travel into a world, you know, again, in a, in a group of people with a group of people, you come in as strangers and you leave as friends, right. Cause you have this shared experience, um, is a, is a, does something to our brains and, and is a, is a sort of a transformative. It's like, it's like when you go to a movie and then you walk back out into the day and it's like, Wow, it's like you went away for the weekend or something. It 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 rewires something, and it is really um, it's an extraordinary experience. Look, I, you know, a steady diet every single night of Kurosawa and you know Truffaut and uh, Fellini. I mean, it's too much, right? Any more than you want to have a great French meal every single night, right? Um, but um, there is a difference between you know movies and cinema, um, and, and there is something to be said for what movies can do in a theater that is a I think, well, you know, at the end of the day, I love going to the movies. Um, so many of the filmmakers I spoke to were inspired to become filmmakers because of going to the movies. You know, many of us have, um, th there's something about that big screen that really, again, allows us to feel just by scale, sort of small in relationship to something big. And, and I think that that has an emotional effect. Um, the fact that we've all been, you know, what technology has given us is the ability to be completely alone, right? So um, any opportunities to socialize being is that I believe that we're social animals is is probably a swell thing. Um, we stand in line, you know, to go to things and we are on our phones and we don't talk to each other. So any place where we can sort of be around other humans and kind of feeling one another and having a, a, a sensory experience, I, I think is an important thing. And I, um, you know, but let me just sort of say, because you started this way, you know, regardless of how you feel, whether you're, you know, uh, agnostic on this, on this discussion or not, um, 
this is a family. It's a family with a with you know struggling to survive, and and um and there are I I believe I, I hope and this is what we strive to do is there are things that are familiar to um to to Americans um that that don't just make it a Hollywood you know movie story but it is it is ultimately a again as you say um just a of you know we literally are at the dinner table with a family as they sort of really try and sort of walk through something and and uh it was miraculous that this happened this was never i could never have planned this it started and, and it just like it took us it literally i mean we shot it over two and a half years right um not all the time but but it but we continue to sort of check in and there were multiple times where i thought the movie was over like oh it's done like we got it it's and then like oh my god and then it would go on and on so so th there's there um the journey of that and that's that's the sort of the marvelous, wonderful thing about docs. Um, if you have the patience to stay with them, is is to let them kind of tell you what they want to be. Well, I think you could you could have made about five different films within what you are working with here, where you could have easily focused on all these people that you had these this incredible cast that you had of people that are outside of this family talking about the importance of not only this family but the idea of what they represent. You could have easily had that be the focus of it. Um, but smartly, I think you focused on this family and their interactions with each other. And the more that you get into that, um, that to me, that's the meat of this, this film when just something as simple as you see them all around. And I I'll put it this way. There's a title card, not a title card, but there's a little postscript at the end of this film that gave me so much joy. And I don't want to ruin that for people because it's, it's just this nice little surprise at the end. And I think that just shows that this is an emotional investment. This isn't a philosophical investment. You know, we could talk about the importance of art versus independent versus mainstream and all those things. To me, I think we, as people that are critical of film, tend to give a little bit more of a pass if we see subtitles on something that will elevate something like RRR, which is just sheer joy and spectacle above something like a Top Gun, because that's our spectacle. But we see other spectacle and we somehow think that it's better than ours or different than ours. And that is a unique example that is wholly its own thing. But I think that we do elevate things beyond what they would normally be. And that's a totally different conversation. The thing is, this is about a family. And that's what I loved about this, that this is just, this could have been any number of businesses that they were involved in. And the idea of this history and the generational um, connection that they have to this and legacy and what does that mean? And they're just right at this crossroads. And you could have kept filming for another six years and you would have had a totally different film, but you just chose to stop at this exact moment where we are right now. And I think it's just a, a really wonderful time capsule that will... I think you could revisit this in 10 years from now and it'll help to get a better understanding of what this last two years has been like. Cause I think we're losing sight of it already that we're already kind of getting distance from it. And we're not honestly owning what that first six months was like. Yeah. Yeah. There's the, the shock and awe and the horror of it all. Right. That's it's so true. It's so true. I, I yeah, I, you know, I love this family. Um, I, I, you know, Greg um, Lumley, you know, invited me in, um, he, um, when certain things happened, I asked him at the very beginning, you know, are you, I mean, I don't want to be Machiavellian, but can we stay with you? Can we keep going? Can we keep, yeah. and he, yes. And, and he really opened himself up in such a, a profound way. Um, and, and such a, 
there, there's not an inauthentic bone in Greg's body, right? And and uh, and for someone who's been in Hollywood and who is, is he's in Hollywood, but not of Hollywood. Um, he is. Uh, there's something just so recognizable about him, and and I think his moral fiber and his integrity just shine through. And again, you know how wonderful that we <laughs> have someone like him. I mean, I I who really holds this ideal of what what film is about and continues to sort of you know carry that forward. Oh, absolutely, and that there's. There's a the weight that you feel on Greg's shoulders throughout all of this of that. What do you do for your family? What do you do for your community? And then just the way his wife sees the stress of him carrying all this and his whole family just looks to him to be the this, at least that's how it appears, to just be like, no, we trust you. Whatever you want to do, we got you, we got your back. And the two just like, please, somebody make a decision for me. And I get that feeling that it's just like, I just don't want to make another goddamn decision today. Please, somebody do something. Yeah. And there, I, yeah, yeah, I felt that very deeply. Yeah, you really got it. I mean, I thank you for that. I really appreciate that. That's it really had, you know, as I say, um, when you start something like this and you have no idea, it's it's sort of like basically throwing yourself out in the middle of the ocean and just sort of holding onto a life raft and just sort of thinking, well, we'll get to land eventually. And, um, you know, I know that there's, I, I know if we just keep going this way, it'll happen. And, and I, and, um, and we did, but, but, but it is the family that we hold on to. So I, I really appreciate that you reflect that. Thank you. That's really great. And it's not to say that the the people that you have in this film, the, the talking heads, the people that you have, the, these, um, filmmakers that you have involved in this, I literally could have watched a hour and a half documentary of each and every one of them talking about this specific subject. Cause I know that James Ivory is going to have a way different perspective on this than, you know, some of the like Cameron Crowe um, that you're going to have, you know, Ava DuVernay, you're going to have like, it's just, you have one of the most incredible sound mixers um, in the history of cinema right there. Uh, and that I'm just looking at these people and as somebody who interviews, I'm like, God, I would love to talk to that guy for an hour, just, just to dive in there. And I would love to hear these things. And so to me, as a film nerd, it takes an incredible amount of restraint to pull away from that focus of those people. Uh, yeah, no, it's so true. It's funny. Mark Ulano, who is Tarantino's sound mixer, yeah. and, um, who, you know, has won the Oscar for Titanic and, you know, is also a documentarian and and a film historian. He's freaking brilliant, man. And, and we oh, yeah. literally sat there. I think his interview was something like an hour and a half. I mean, he just he just went on. And on and all of us at the end, the end of it, I mean, our crew was like, oh, my God, that was an unbelievable experience. Right. And and, and it was and, and we even said, like, God, we should just put that whole interview on, on YouTube when this done because it's so incredible. He's he's just brilliant, you know, Please. and um, and. And and, and it's thrilling. Um, it, it's thrilling to meet people who who love cinema who understand the art form and and really are about um elevating the art form. I mean I you know we we um when we opened in Los Angeles so we're opening in in New York in a couple of days. Um mm-hmm. which we're very excited about. Um we we did this sort of backwards cuz normally you open in New York first and then LA but we did LA first uh for uh, very specific. It makes sense. Yeah. Um and and um what we 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 had a we had a big premiere with um uh the National Association of Theater Owners, NATO, right? Um and um they they are they have they were the people who held these theaters together. Um they got these grants and these shutter venue grants, which essentially paid all of these sort of mom and pop um theaters and kept them going. 
Um, and and they said um, this spoke to what they you know really deeply to what what they felt mattered about uh, about theater owners. Um, you know, reminded us why we fought and and um, and is a sort of a both artistically and economically speaks to kind of what the what the challenges are, but what what's worth fighting for. You know, what's what's the mission? And and um, again, you know, I, I've been so gratified by all the theaters who sort of said. You know, like I just had a little theater in Corvallis write me and say, we're we're screening this movie. This is so important to us. We're going to do a Q&A. You know, thank you for making this movie. You know, just it's so important for us to have these discussions now about why theaters matter. And God, I'm so I, I just I, I, I'm humbled and very gratified that that's the case, because I think those are the discussions that should be happening, um, you know, because once they're gone, they're gone forever. Right. These theaters, once they're once they once they disappear, it's a. Uh, um, uh, you know, it, it just it happens like that and they just kind of, you know, they go into the black hole and, and it's a and it's a giant rip in the in this cultural, you know, intellectual fabric of that city where where it's gone uh, from. Well, there's something that happens when something screens in a theater, even if it's only for two weeks and it just plays in Los Angeles and New York. The writing that happens around that it has a deeper cultural impact there's a there's a talk about it there's discussion there's anticipation for it when something is just released on a streaming platform it disappears quickly um it just it's it's gone it, it's in the ether and then it just disappears and you can't you can think of i mean there's been scorsese films that don't feel like that now at this point that don't feel like they were a part of the conversation the way that they would have been 15 years ago because they're being released on streaming. And I just, I think that's really unusual. And that's something that's worth taking a moment to stop and acknowledge and see, does this make sense? Um, that's so true. Uh, I mean, Christopher, th this is a this is a whole other element of this conversation, which is really um, what does it do to the art form, right? I mean, we've got a 125 year old art form that has been now completely, you know, I mean, someone, one article I read has said not since the advent of sound to you know talkies essentially to silent movies has there been any shift uh, as, as significant as what's happened over the past few years with streaming and then with these multinational companies essentially doing day and date things where we are we are robbing the actual um way in which these were designed to be consumed right which is again in this in this sacred space and um but beyond that let's just talk about the filmmakers right i've got friends who be like hey i sold my movie to netflix and they're like yay that's great for an independent filmmaker you know fantastic however what happens is that it basically on Netflix, you're you're like a uh, thrown on the trash heap, you know. Like how, how unless someone knows that your movie is there, it's almost impossible for them to find it. And 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 if you watch a certain kind of movie, and if <laughs> um, uh, if you're looking for other kind, the, the algorithm will only serve you movies along the lines of what you're already watching, right? So so essentially, they've got a gajillion titles, but there's. Oh, yeah way for anyone to percolate up there's no way for that to actually make an impact us opening this movie in theaters as you say has allowed us to get some press it's allowed us to get reviews it's allowed us to get you know um some recognition for the themes and for the actual movie itself and and, and as independent filmmakers are trying to find a way to i mean work outside the studio system and try and bring our own vision to something um God, uh, it's 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 so hard without that without the theater connection, without the reviews, without the opportunity to be able to sort of find an audience or be discovered. Um, th that's that, that's dead right. It, it's just it's something that 
I think you've we've shortened that window of thinking about something. Um, it's the same thing we've done with television, where we might be in the golden age of television production, but we're in a shit time for the way that we actually consume television because you used to have to wait week after week. If you watched Mad Men when that was happening, you would have to wait. And then you had to wait for two and a half years for that final season to come out. And there was something where you're thinking about that and talking about it. And, you know, Monday morning, you're going into the office and it's, did you see what happened last night on the Sopranos or whatever that was now it's, Hey, did you spend 17 hours watching this thing that gets good in episode nine over the weekend that everybody watched? And you're like, God damn, man. No, no, I didn't. Cause I could have watched four films in that amount of time. I could have been opened up to so many different concise stories. And that's why I'm a, film guy more than a tv guy but it's just yeah i i hope and i i have faith it's just that it's the the market's changing again where going to a movie is expensive for people like me you know i'm and i'm in my 40s coming up on 50 i have two kids and a wife and every time we go see a movie that's you know babysitter parking you know you're you're out a hundred dollars to go see a movie it used to be there was a time period where you could go see a movie and it would cost you 10 bucks and that was it and that was the night out and then i could do that when i was working minimum wage jobs i just can't do it anymore so now you have college kids and retirees and it's always been those are the people that support independent film when you go to an art house it's 90 percent of the people in the most punk rock movies ever made were people in their 90s I, it's just that's what i saw and i don't think that's changed that much and i think that'll continue to happen that's not going anywhere yeah no right i mean I, you know we make this parallel obviously with television um the advent television in the 50s how all the theaters closed and yeah. then they, um and they that took 10 years for you know theater going to become cool again um you know i i'm i'm hoping that that will we will circle back as we you know, even though we expand our home systems, et cetera, et cetera, that there's an opportunity to, be able to go like, oh, right. I like going to the movies. I, I prefer going to the movies and, and let's go do that because it's um it's a chance to get out. Um, And, and how important is that? Um, You know, it's it's worth it. I mean, I, I, you know, I, I like to cook, but I don't like to eat in every night. You know, I like going out to restaurants. So, um, yeah, that, that's that, that's what you're paying for. Right. At that point. And right. it's it's the same thing with live music, it, it, communal experiences that you share together and that cannot be duplicated at home i don't care what vr headset you have or what immersive technology is comes up at that point there's something about sitting in that room and hearing the shuffling of people's feet and popcorn being moved around and when there's an absolute silence when everybody is just invested in it and when there's laughter at moments that you don't get that's you can't you cannot replicate that and it's something that's worth fighting for Right. So that's the title only in theaters, right? So, yep. so thank you. I know we're, we're, we've run out of time here, but I just want to say thank you so much for taking the time to do this. I appreciate it. I loved the film and I'm, I'm glad that this conversation is being picked up and continued because it's one we need to have. Thank you. So appreciate talking to you. Thank you. Everything you said, really appreciate it. You as well. Good luck with the film, man. Thank you. Time enough to figure you out. Time enough to write this down Wish me luck, give me hope
Boys crack.